Hello once again, everybody. Tim Priest with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated, joined by John Bryce of Football Scoop and Irish Illustrated, and Pete Sampson from The Athletic. We have a full house today, much to talk about. Notre Dame somehow, some way, ended up in the Sun Bowl. We know how. We're going to discuss it. Tim O'Malley, John Bryce, Pete Sampson, jump in and uh, get that narrative explained right away, please. Well, I think the biggest thing um, is that as Louisville lost Saturday night, uh, denying the ACC a chance to get two teams into New Year's Six Bowls, very obviously caused a cascading ripple. And then as it was put to me uh, earlier today by someone on campus, quote, the ACC took care of its own. And once it filled up some of those other bowl slots, then that left a, a sort of jumbled mess for bowls to fight over it. And, um, you know, I spoke with a bowl person not involved with any of the ACC alignments who just said it was one of the biggest clusters he could remember. Yes, I was Yeah, I was trying to get in touch with somebody at the ACC and did this morning. Um, there was a report from Brett McMurphy that Notre Dame was somehow ineligible for the Gator Holiday Pop-Tarts Bowls, and I was told that was incorrect. Um, Notre Dame could have been selected for those. There was, I, you know, there was talk about bowl rotations and Notre Dame having just been there. They couldn't go back. Uh, the only bowl that they were sort of ineligible there uh, among those three really would have been the holiday bowl because of the rematch with USC, but there was nothing stopping the Gator bowl or the pop tarts bowl from selecting Notre Dame. They just did not. Uh, right. I think, you know, the holiday bowl just absolutely made no sense for Notre Dame that that has, there would be no reason to do that. You can make yourself ineligible for a bowl and take whatever else as opposed to a rematch with USC in that situation. That would be. This always, very it, it always feels like Notre Dame is never going to make the holiday bowl. Like they're mentioned at some point and it just, <laughs> It slips away. I got pretty excited there for a second, but uh, so it is, it's, it's Oregon state Tim O'Malley. And uh, if you go to irishillustrated.com today, you'll see a little bit of Oregon state at a glance. Yeah, we got five podcasts for that. Don't we? Yeah, that was about, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. But um, <laughs> uh, that was about my fourth team that I reviewed at that point. Yeah. When I felt bad for, for listeners, when I felt bad for myself, because I had to keep writing up bowl histories and, and quick bowl things, I thought to myself, of course, I didn't watch film to do this. Like Priester's been doing all day long for no people. I was just trying to research all the different bowl histories. When who's been there, who's been what the fun was the pop tarts bowl. I found out it has 10 names and I'll never be able to use that information again. So you all get it right now. The pop tarts bowl has had 10 previous names. And they are. I didn't memorize it, but the Blockbuster oh. Bowl is the most important one. <laughs> it was the Blockbuster Bowl. I loved it. That, that definitely dates the whole process. <laughs> it's, it's been Blockbuster, like the Champ Sports Bowl. I can't Russell, remember. Russell Athletic Bowl, yeah. Cheese it yep. Camping was, World. Was it Foot Locker at one point? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Tangerine for one year. That was great. Tangerine Bowl. That makes sense. Mm. Instead of the I Orange Bowl. We're not quite the Orange Bowl, but come watch us anyway. Tangerines are better. Well, uh, DJ Uyunglele is not going to be participating in this game. And I think ultimately what's going to happen is, just like last year in the Gator Bowl when Notre Dame played South Carolina, Notre Dame's opponent is going to end up having more opt-outs than Notre Dame itself. Yes, but we will not notice that as Notre Dame writers or fans. It will just simply be who is missing from Notre Dame. Yeah, well, I mean, that who's missing is going to be Blake Fisher, Joe Alt, and Audrick Estime. Um, to my understanding, that Maris Leofau is maybe not going to play in the game too. Um, so it's, Notre Dame's going to have a share of opt-outs. Um, and I think, you know, when you see Oregon State take the field and Ben Goldbranson is their quarterback. Um, 
<laughs> through one pass this year. Yeah. I was, I was, I was, <laughs> I was really kind of looking forward to Aiden Childs because, because he was highly rated. Apparently, mm-hmm. Nordame looked at him for a while and he would have given him a different dimension, but. We have plenty of time to talk about Oregon State. Uh, they do have a first. They have a do. They do have a high draft pick that entered the NFL draft already, not the portal. So that, um, their right tackle Fuaga. Yeah, they're right. Yeah, yeah. their right tackle's good. That that's uh, uh and uh, that's or good. Is, yeah, going to enter the NFL draft. Nobody's entered it already. Yeah, he's a potential. I'm. We're hearing a, a potential first round draft choice, and so that's good for Notre Dame. I, plenty of time to talk about Oregon State. Mike Brown. Apparently, will be Nordame's next wide receivers coach. JB, tell us what you know about him. Yeah, I'll start with uh, what I've heard from some Cincinnati area prep coaches, and that is um, he always had a good relationship with them in the city, uh, was always very professional and courteous in visiting their schools and um, out on the recruiting trail. So I, sh- I should point out he's got a good reputation with high school coaches. I've heard from most from most of my people in Cincinnati, but throughout the state of Ohio, he has a good reputation. Uh, he obviously played the position, played it at a high level, had a brief NFL career. Uh, one key thing to note is he had a $550,000 salary this season with Wisconsin. That is considerably, considerably more than what the Irish had earmarked uh, previously and paid Chancey Stuckey or were scheduled to pay uh, in 2024. So that's a significant salary increase going on the books for Notre Dame. Brown, I believe, also had a $50,000 buyout to exit Wisconsin. 50000 wow. to say. That <laughs> sounds like you left out like three digits. From yeah. well, so, <laughs> position coach, though. I mean, yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. That's the way it is. 50000 for a position coach, especially uh, in the first year of his contract. So um, anyway, those are those are some of the numbers. But, you know, Brown has great familiarity with this staff. He was a candidate two years ago, I believe, uh, when they also talked to Jamarcus and then ended up hiring Chansey. So, um, again, this is a guy that they expect to seamlessly transition. Pete Sampson? I, you know, it's the familiarity thing helps there. Um, you know, it sounds like just a solid guy. Um, I don't think that it's a home run hire, but in the sense of, I don't really know what a home run wide receiver coach hire would even be. Um, you know, maybe Jamarcus Shepard just based on what happened at Washington the last couple of years, but, um, Notre Dame has had a pretty good track record of plucking guys from Luke fickle and Cincinnati that have worked out. Um, and I would think Mike Brown would, would be another one of those. There, there is an irony here. Um, that people felt last week Notre Dame absolutely needed to get a wide receiver coach on board to stop the portal bleeding and to perhaps get, they're not going to get someone back, I don't think, but to keep the wide receiver room in check, to get new people in the wide receiver room. And as soon as Notre Dame makes its fastest potential hire you've ever seen in the history of Notre Dame football, people are angry at it because they didn't vet enough candidates. This is, I mean, this this was important timing. This is one of the few times it's important timing. It was more important to get a wide receiver coach in quickly than it was to get a head coach last time. I, I, something that is that is not considered at all is that in the last two NFL drafts, Mike Brown wide receivers have been chosen in the second round, third round, and fourth round. Um, Alec Pierce, of course, who we knew was dangerous coming into the Notre Dame game a couple of years ago. He was a second round pick of the Colts. Trey Tucker was a third-round draft choice of the Bengals uh, this past spring, and Tyler Scott was a fourth-round draft choice of the Bears. 
uh, also this past uh, past spring. So, I, I mean, I'm not really sure what we're looking for. It seems to me that you're looking for guys that are producing NFL talent, and Mike Brown, Brown's done a pretty good job of that. Transfer I mean, don't you portal. think, Tim, this was like the one time that it was kind of important to get a quick name that you trusted to hire? No, it's not like you want to hire anybody, but they got someone they wanted and it was fast. Yeah, I, 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 I've I, stopped trying to understand what the public wants out of this because it, it just it's half one, half the other. And when one thing happens, the other thing's bad and good, vice versa. I, I think I, logically you need not need. It's great to have a receiver coach that you believe in if you're Marcus Freeman. Hired right away when you lost three to the portal, one you couldn't afford to lose. One would have been nice to have back. No, four to the portal. Sorry, can't even keep yeah. track. Four to the portal. <laughs> one you couldn't afford to lose. One you wanted back, in addition. And three freshmen that are about to sign in the next three weeks. This is like expedience actually made sense to me for the first time in a coaching hire. That it was crucial. Yeah, I mean, the, the portal to me is the big one there. Like, you, you had... Chris Mitchell on campus this weekend, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and digging around on Will Shepard a little bit, like that's somebody Notre Dame could be involved with. Um, but it's hard to be involved with people if you don't have a wide receivers coach, if you're looking for wide receivers. So that also, you know, you need to have a quarterback, which probably will happen in the next week or so. So that that's another part of it, too. So, well, yeah, expedience matters. I, I think it just after the way last week uh, played out, People were just ready to be upset about something else, uh, and they found the new thing to be upset about. I also think it says a lot about Mike Brown that at 34 years old, Luke Fickle hired you as the associate head coach. I realize titles are titles, but still, a 34-year-old associate head coach, I think you could go across the country. JB would probably uh, have a better idea of that, how many guys like that exist, but I think it speaks uh, speaks a little bit of Mike Brown, but to me, more than anything, if he's developing draft picks, what is it exactly that we were looking for in in a receivers coach? I seems like a pretty good one to me. The transfer portal, uh, Notre Dame is at ten now. Uh, we've gone over all of those guys over and over again. Really, the two most significant, of course, are Rico Flores Jr. and Holden Stays. Uh, Chris Chris Tyree, of course, you would have liked to have had him back, but you weren't expecting that. Apparently now he's looking closer to home, which is not a surprise if it's Virginia because they took a, a, a transfer receiver this past year, Malik Washington, I believe his name was, and uh, <laughs> a good year. So it looks like a good landing spot for him. And any sane human being that knows anything about Chris Tyree would be happy for Chris Tyree finding happiness wherever he's seeking it. I just want to know if Pete Sampson has uh, those stats available. Uh, I've not quite burned on my brain yet for Malik Washington um, that Notre Dame evaluated briefly last year, but thought was maybe not up to snuff because he had, I think he closed the year on nine straight 100 yard games for Virginia. Um, Over a hundred catches. It's pretty good. Worked out. Okay. Down there. So Notre Dame needs to find somebody like him in the portal. I want to use a stat that, that got lost for potential opponents ago. Maybe I said it the other day. I'm not sure, but um, the the when Flores went over 100 yards, you know, it was the first time it happened in 24 games. LSU had 17 100 yard games from their wide receivers this year, but that was that was three or four opponents ago. So, uh, yeah, that happens. Uh, potential transfers coming in. We're I you know we're all expecting news this week uh, for Notre Dame, including quarterback and and a couple other positions potentially. 
So there is going to be a give and take here. And I guess what I want to point out about the transfer portal is we're making a big deal about the numbers in the portal. 70% of them are guys Notre Dame didn't want to come back. So this is all part of the process. It's not a bad thing when you look at all the names that are in the transfer portal. Yeah, this is, I would just say, part of the new reality uh, of college football. It, it wasn't that long ago that to uh, encourage people to move on or to maybe not necessarily invite someone back into a program was almost unfathomable. And now um, the extreme, of course, is Deion Sanders bringing like 83 new people into Colorado's program uh, when he was hired there last December um, before they played a game this this past 2023 season. But it is the norm. Roster churn is the norm, and um, it's a pervasive part of things. It's something that's constantly on the coaches' minds, as, we, as we've discussed previously on this pod. The portal officially opens today, but it's only a 30-day window as opposed to the previous 45. So um, timing is of the essence, and roster churn and roster management – is a complete part of things now, especially as more and more guys earn NIL uh, salaries, basically. And I want to, uh, this kind of flies in the face of the of two people that I championed over the last two years, but I talked to somebody at Notre Dame on this. And to JB's point, the timing of the portal and what you have to get done, basically it was kind of said to me, you're not always going to be, you're not going to be 100% on who, might not have a spot coming back at Notre Dame the next year. Like, every, and that goes for every program in the country. You can't always be right when you say, uh, I think we're going to move on from your position. Sometimes that is going to come back and badly bite you. Now we know I used to for well, all of us for one year would say Aiden K and I uh, was not number 85. What's the point here? What, what What's the point here? But sometimes it's not number 85. Sometimes it's a guy like say Nano Asafa Mensa, who I will, I am writing about it today in Monday musings. At some point, I think that comes back and hurts you that you don't have a 23-year-old backup that can play 300 snaps because you say we have this guy, this guy, and this guy, except one gets hurt, one decides to transfer after the spring, and now you have one, and maybe he's not any good. and Maybe you didn't get JJB in the portal this year. So while I say those things and will continue to say those things, I do take stock in someone from Notre Dame telling me, you're not going to be 100%. These decisions have to happen way faster than you think they have to happen. And that's one of those things we're not going to be able to understand from the outside, how quickly this portal turns and how fast these decisions have to be made on guys that could help a football team. It's clearly not a South Amenta could help a football team, but maybe they're looking in a different direction to help their football team. To wrap up segment one, guys, uh, why don't we each chime in on the selection of the final four for the college football playoffs, Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama. I think I, I sent you guys a text uh, when Alabama won that that was the final four. Um, it stinks for Florida State fans and everybody that says something about Florida State not being one of the four best teams. I agree. I agree they get killed. I agree they'd be two touchdown underdogs. And I hope you agree with me that if Notre Dame was in that exact same situation, you would be screaming from the rooftops that the regular season matters, the results matter, and obviously you have screwed us over. Yeah. I, I think... I, go, go ahead, John. No, go yeah, ahead, I, I feel bad for Florida State, yeah. but I I don't have a huge problem with the way that they ended it. Um, I also think that the idea that the regular season doesn't matter is doesn't add up. The regular season totally mattered because Florida State played a game where the quarterback got hurt. That mattered. Um, and so I think maybe it's a, 
a time to take a step back from these, like, I think Notre Dame fans in particular will criticize other programs for playing these late season bye week games against FCS opponents. Well, sometimes you lose your starting quarterback and it sideswipes your entire season. Um, that can happen. So the regular season did matter. In Florida State's case, it ended with Jordan Travis with a severe, gruesome injury, um, but that game counted um, in a way that Florida State did not see coming. I I feel bad for them, um, but I just, you know, you look at college football, it's a TV show at this point, um, yeah. and we're going to get a really awesome TV show in the college football playoff. Yeah, I, I concur with Pete. There's empathy there um, for, for Florida State's plight, but I don't think the committee got it wrong. And there have been years I think you could contend that uh, the committee got it wrong and, and left out uh, worthy teams in favor of uh, maybe cosmetic reasons or deserving reasons being their logic or whatever. Um, so I, I think I think the four is right. I think the uh, video reaction to Michigan's players when they were seeing that they drew <laughs> Alabama was absolutely hilarious. Now they're going to hear about that for the next four weeks until they play Alabama uh, we'll see what kind of motivation that supplies for them. But uh, I've said it, I think, before on this podcast. I know on the Scoop podcast multiple times. The 12-team playoff is coming next year, and that's great. This year would have been, in my opinion, the perfect campaign for that uh, new iteration of the playoff to be unveiled because I don't think there's a great superpower team this year in college football, but I think there are eight or ten teams that could have comprised a 12-team playoff field that would have made it one hell of an entertaining playoff run. You've heard us talk about home field apparel since the start of the season. There are a lot of collegiate apparel brands out there, but we wanted to partner with home field because their designs are the best out there. Some of Irish Illustrated's favorites are the Sam Hartman Victory March tee, the script tee, and the retro long sleeve. Be sure to go to homefieldapparel.com, filter by Notre Dame, and see what we're talking about. There's also currently an exclusive football bundle, which includes a baseball tee, sweats, a hoodie, and more. It's the perfect gift for a fellow Irish fan or a perfect gift to treat yourself for being a loyal Notre Dame fan. And our listeners get an exclusive deal using code Irish Illustrated. Irish Illustrated gets you 15% off your first order. We know you're all wearing Nordin gear, so if you're in need of a refresh, we really think you should check out Homefield Apparel. Their designs are super unique. And a lot of thought goes into each concept. There's really nothing else on the market like what Homefield is doing. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com. And again, use code Irish Illustrated for 15% off your first order. Segment two is burning up the boards. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're coming to a game this season, you have to check out Game Day Your Way, the official tailgate service provider of Notre Dame. Game Day Your Way offers everything you need, including tailgate gear, catering, and even beverage delivery right to your spot. And their Irish Express transportation from Chicago allows you to tailgate while you travel to their all-inclusive party zone in South Bend. Let Game Day deal with all the hassle so you can focus on the fun. 
For tailgates, tickets, transportation, and more, visit gamedayyourway.com. Segment two, burning up the board, starts with a question from Andy Dan 106 Great story on transfer needs earlier this week. What position do you see Notre Dame having the best chance to upgrade in the portal? That is in reference to a story that Tim O'Malley wrote a couple days ago. Well, they're going to upgrade at quarterback and seems like wide receiver. Um, I believe that they need to, and nickel should be happening. Uh, We don't know if it's an upgraded nickel. Thomas Harper was great. That'll be, or very good. That will remain to be seen if they'll upgrade at nickel, but they'll get a nickel. Um, They'll get a defensive lineman. They'll get a quarterback. They'll get multiple wide receivers. And my story indicates that you're going to need a little more than that because I think you'll have attrition along the way, but I totally understand how you have to slow play the portal a little bit right now. You go out and get a tight end. What does that do to some tight end? You don't want to lose on the back end. You need an offensive tackle. I think that's clear. They will get an offensive tackle in the portal. They absolutely have to. I contend at the end of this, they're going to need a linebacker. By that, I mean the end of the spring, because when did Notre Dame get hurt in the portal last year most in terms of top recruited talent? Winter or spring? Well, if you saw the ACC championship game the other night, we know that they were missing out on a defensive tackle that yeah. was... No, I'm and I'm saying they lost their projected starting quarterback before the portal started. They lost their projected starting wide receiver before the portal started, and they lost their projected starting 1B running back all in the spring. Lorenzo Styles, Logan Diggs, and Tyler Buckner. I see what you're saying. Like, that, this isn't over. That's why I think you have to be very yeah. prudent, but you need more than you think. So yeah. a dozen, a dozen, right? Ten needed, 12 would be great. I mean, the plan that I was told was they, they're in the market for seven right now. It's two receivers, quarterback, an offensive tackle, a defensive end, two defensive backs. Uh, then you have to readjust. Um, yep. it, if you lose somebody else in the spring, like O'Malley said, then you have to go back in potentially. But um, I think, you know, getting guys out of the portal in spring. It, you know, well, there's there's always the Nick McLeod story, but sometimes you end up with Antonio Carter, who just doesn't quite work out because you're the the portal's been picked over by that point. Um, you're sort of doubling back in after the market's already been closed. So, yeah, it, you know, who are they going to they're going to upgrade at receiver for sure. Is Riley Leonard better than Sam Harbin? I don't know. Um, are, is their defensive end going to be better than Javante Jean-Baptiste? Probably not. Um, Thomas Harper. Probably not. Um, could be, but uh, receiver will be an upgrade for sure. The other positions, uh, I feel like that's much more of a toss-up. I think it's prudent to consider signing your portal players late in the cycle, too. And by that, I mean you're a shrewd businessman that doesn't allow for uh, other people to happily jump in the portal with four weeks left. Is that fair or rude or mean? No, I mean it's, it's a. This is a, a an economics story, yes. not a not a like I I want to play for the Golden Dome story, right. um, you know, and that's that's what college football is right now. So it's you have a certain amount of money to spend on this um, quarterback, pretty much eats up a million dollars right there. Um, how much you have beyond that, I it's it's much harder to say, but it's it's this is expensive. Um, this that's just where college football is in 2023. This is an expensive proposition. Dan, yeah. what's your 
yeah, what's your perspective, John? What, what, how, what Notre Dame's, what direction they're heading here with this? Yeah, I agree with Pete that uh, on on the general needs and think that they definitely need to find someone along the offensive line. It's tough. It's uh, it's a bidding war. There was an FCS offensive lineman that went in two years ago, uh, and he ultimately landed at LSU right after Brian Kelly arrived there because LSU won the NIL bidding war. And so, uh, T.O., you make a great point about doing it later so that there's not as much time potentially to enter the portal. Uh, the flip side of that is even if you have a verbal agreement, in this world, that doesn't matter. So you yeah. kind of have to you kind of have to get stuff squared away as soon as possible, because if you're not, there's a collective out there trying to scrape together uh, six, six figures worth of pennies to make sure that its offer is better than the one that's been agreed upon. So I think I think timing is key. Another thing I'll say is I had a college football coach tell me that I used to laugh and chuckle at the notion that people were getting the title of GM or general manager in college football. And they said, now we need GMs. Now with everything we have to do, the roster management, uh, working with the collectives, handling NIL, handling the portal and the evolutions of the portal, whether it's longer or shorter windows. We already know it's been shortened in the spring as well. All those things uh, have made the the college football GM much more relevant now than say it was seven or eight years ago when the title was first ushered in. Question from Donnelly3434. He's asking for a stay or go update. Riley Mills. I haven't changed mine. Yeah, I don't have an update on that one. Yeah, I think it's it's all about feedback, and um, it's what he continues to hear. None of that feedback is complete. Um, it's still coming in. They're still getting feedback from multiple NFL teams. You know, the NFL changed the way it, it hands out the draft grades a few years ago in terms of you're either a first or second round projection or you're told to go back to school. Um, but everybody's more thorough than that, and, and they're going through and seeing. Whether it was for, for a Jarrett Patterson who elected to return for that final season uh, after I think he was projected around a fourth or fifth round guy by talking to scouts, not officially from the NFL. So, again, this will be um, Notre Dame people and Riley Mills people speaking to a number of NFL personnel types and scouts to figure out where he projects. I think Mills goes if he hears what he wants to hear. I'm just not sure that he does end up hearing what he wants to hear. Howard Cross, we're all in agreement that he's returning. Is that correct? That is correct. Yep. On, on this list was Tyson Ford. It isn't anybody that we've really considered a whole lot because he hasn't really made a move on the depth chart. Um, He's on my list of 35. I don't recall if he's on my list of 20. I can look real fast okay. while you guys throw your... 35 is the could see it happening and 20 is I bet you this happens. So I'll take a look while uh, you guys do that one. You know, I think, I think with Tyson Ford, it's fair to think some of his decision hinges on whether or not officially Howard Cross declares that he's returning and whether or not officially Riley Mills decides that he is or is not returning. So, um, you know, I think this is a key month for him for sure. And he needs to show something and, and the coaches probably, um, you know, he's hoping to see something from the coaches as well. Yeah. So I think it's a good point, John, about the competition there. A guy that we have given little consideration to, which may be an indication what's what's happening here, defensive end Jordan Botello. I mean, if I had to guess, I would think he comes back, but he is definitely on the list of people that could possibly go. Um, the way Al Golden talked about him two weeks before the end of the regular season, 
seemed to indicate he would really like him because of his versatility in their future plans. That's, but that had nothing to do with, uh, no, I mean, somebody asked about him. He's a fifth year player because of COVID. So that's why he was asked about in that way. But he mentioned he's done a lot here. He can do a lot for us. I'm very positive on Jordan Botello. So that's all I would give you there. I would say like it into to the point about Nana Safamensa earlier, like if you had to have choose between those two guys, which Notre Dame may ultimately have to choose between those two guys, Botello would be the choice. JB. Yeah, I would uh, not disagree with that on Botello. I think again, the Pete's point saying Botello would be the choice. I think, I think I interpret that to mean Pete because of his versatility, because of what he can do for you. You see him uh, and his experience being more valuable if it comes down to mm-hmm. an either-or situation. Hey, they yeah. played him a lot. Jordan Botello was probably off the top of my head, seventh on the team in snaps defensively. He played plenty. Jordan Botello had a lot of snaps this year. He did. Yeah. Uh, Clarence Lewis, was he asked back? Was he not asked back? I think Lewis is returning. I I, I will say I, I believe Notre Dame is very hopeful that Lewis is returning. Um I think they believe he could be uh, a fit at the nickel uh, somewhere next year in, in a in a larger role. He took a team first role this year. It'd be, it'd be great if he did it again. That would, I mean, if he's con- content with that, that's fantastic. Clarence Lewis is way better than the random guy you're trying to put up there as your sixth well, defensive back. I, I I agree with that, but yeah. I mean, he's got to be somebody that's productive. I, they 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 wouldn't count on him throughout most of the season in clutch situations. So I'm not sure. I mean, if 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 he's going to take a roster spot, he needs to be utilized. Yeah, it's just I mean, is he as good as Harper? Obviously not, because Harper took all those minutes. But you know, again, this could be a situation where like you have a certain amount of nil money to spend here, and a Nickelback might cost more than you. Know, you maybe you need that those resources need to go to wide receiver. Right? It's it's just a completely different conversation than we've ever had about college football before. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I want to point out, though, he only played, I mean, think about this. Jaden Mickey started a game. Oh, he missed a game, though, too. But Clarence Lewis played 13 fewer snaps than Jaden Mickey. That's less. That's just over one a game. He played a lot. Yeah, it's really, that's that's my, oh, you're saying Lewis did? Yeah, I mean, he's played, do you think Jaden Mickey played a lot? He played 13 fewer snaps than Jaden Mickey. That's that's a fair amount. And and one quick thing, one quick thing I would just add, again, tying into the conversation on Pete's point is it is a time where guys, when they're getting, a third, fourth, fifth round grade, it's not uncommon for teams to say, okay, well, you're not guaranteed a roster spot if anything below the third round, but your signing bonus would be seventy-five dollars to $125,000. So we'll find you NIL deals worth seventy-five dollars to $125,000, come back to school for another year, work to improve your draft stock, and you're basically getting the equivalent of your signing bonus. So that's a common practice. Uh, two guys that that I'm hearing there, it's a great chance that they come back now, Jack Kaiser and Xavier Watts. Yeah, no change for me. I'm leaning towards coming back. Uh, yeah, Kaiser, too soon to tell. Like, I, it makes sense for him to come back, but it's premature to say that that's done and happening. I think it might be great news for fans, uh, non jaded fans, to hear that Xavier Watts might be coming back for academic reasons, too, right, Priester? Uh, I mean, I, I, I mean, we're in an inkling that he wants to, that, that part of it's earning a master's degree. That's I, no, I, I, I agree with that. I still think it's, I still think it would be more of a football decision, but I, hear well, I hope so. Cause that. he needs to play football for the yeah. money, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's encouraging. It's encouraging to hear that. That's why 
That's why Howard Cross is coming back. JB, what do you know about uh, uh, Kaiser Watts? Again, it's early in the process. I, th I think a lot depends on how this month unfolds for both. And once again, much like Riley Mills, I think there's a um, a report out there. Uh, if Watts gets a certain report from NFL people or a certain consensus from NFL people, then he's far more likely to go. If not, he, I believe he is open to returning to Notre Dame. Question from Don Jeezel. It was mentioned in an article that Rico Flores reportedly was looking to, quote, achieve his pass-catching goals somewhere else. Any insight into what those goals are? I mean, he wants to be much better. He wants to be the best receiver in the country, and he doesn't think he can do it at Notre Dame? Yeah, yeah that's I about right. That, I think that would be an accurate portrayal of, that was my quote, achieve his pass-catching goals. That That would be a... That would be a good summation, T.O. I don't think he'd be the best player in the country, but I would <laughs> I would point out, though, uh, best receiver in the country, I mean, I will point out that guys that have, guys like Rico Flores are probably better than they could be naturally because of that attitude. Now, all I will say is that um, I'm almost sick of talking about it. Like, there have been... <laughs> There's been a freaking dis there's there's been a damn disinformation campaign. There's been so many narratives out there. Um, T.O., you've talked about it expressly. We visited about it on this podcast. The kid loved Notre Dame. He yeah. loved he loved Joe Student at Notre Dame, and he loved uh, Rachel Student at Notre Dame. You know, he loved everybody he was around. He loved it here. Um, so I think that um, a narrative out there about how many catches and all of that. Yeah, he wants to bust his ass and be the best player he can be, and he has those goals. Um, but I just think it was a more nuanced decision. Pete Sampson, odds of Rico Flores coming back because he's convinced by Mike Brown to do it? One uh, percent. Um, it's Max Olson at the Athletic. He just started a portal primer last year. I think he said four percent of players that went in the portal ended up returning to the school where they were. So if you want to set it at 4%, that's fine, but it's Under. probably not any higher than that. J JB, you got a percentage? I don't have a percentage. I know it's an extremely low number. It just uh, typically does not happen. Usually when it happens, it's because maybe there's a coaching transition at the program a kid was leaving, and then that program initially says good luck and realizes it's got some desperation in it. I don't think there will be any desperation for Rico Flores to find a very attractive landing spot somewhere. Question from ND underscore. What is the latest on the final game to add to the schedule next year? Yankee Stadium, Army? Yes, that's that's it. So uh, the way I believe Notre Dame's schedule will shape up next year Um People talk about it being much softer than it has been the past couple of years. I agree with that to an extent. I still think that opening at Texas A&M, we obviously know that's going to be a well-coached team, depending on how many Aggies go into the roster. Um, it's going to be also a very attractive roster. You're going to open at Texas A&M in late August in unbelievable heat. You're going to close your season with back-to-back -back road trips projected on each coast, flying from New York for that Army game in, in the uh, Shamrock Series to L.A. for Southern Cal to close the season. So I do think there are some logis logistical challenges there. And I'll note briefly that I served as sideline reporter for a game at Texas A&M in 2016 that was held like the second weekend of October. And the on-field temperature that day was like 102 degrees. So um, Notre Dame has the potential to be going into an absolute oven to open its season. 
Irish Illustrated was the first to report the the Army uh, matchup for 2024. We did that all the way back in the summer. There has been some question about it, Pete Sampson, um, as it relates to Army joining the AAC. Yeah, I don't I don't have an update on the Army's willingness to do the game because it, it may be the Army administration and the Army coaching staff may have a different opinion about whether this game should be played. Um, but I found it hilarious that the chairman of the Sun Bowl uh, said that the pinstripe bowl hemmed and hawed on Notre Dame a little bit because Notre Dame was playing in Yankee Stadium next year. So um, there you have it. They're gonna it sounds like they're gonna play somebody at some point in, our, in Yankee Stadium. It's just a matter of matter of who. Well, there's one of three open weekends right now, but we think it's going to be that that eleventh uh, game of the season. To the last time they did that, they went to the playoff, flew out to Yankee Stadium, beat a number twelve Syracuse team, flew out to L.A., beat a dead ass USC team, and went to the playoff. That was good. And if you can make any realistic correlation between that and next year, <laughs> I, I cannot. Would, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. <laughs> oh, it was super hot. The Michigan game was super okay, hot. Okay. Okay. Yeah, not, not as hot as A&M is going to be. Great. That's going to lead to a national title. Yeah. Question from CMU Pence fan. If we all agree that Marcus Freeman's statement last Monday was poorly constructed, <laughs> I think that's a reference to about having the uh, entire coaching staff coming back. Do you think part of the reason he made the move on Stucky is that he knew so many of the wide receivers were in the portal already and that needed to stop moving forward to needed to stop moving forward? I want to borrow I want to borrow right away from JB and say it was a much more nuanced situation. Nuance might not be the word, but there is not a connect the dots situation here at all. Yeah, 100 percent. No. No further comments. Yeah, and where's your misinformation coming from? We we suggest you stop listening to that misinformation. CMU Pence fan and all alike. John Bryce. Yeah, I I don't I have much more to add than than complete to completely assent uh, with my <laughs> podcast colleagues who have already spoken on this matter. So good usage too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought. Look, let let's let's be fair here now, though, too, because th- th- there were receivers that developed under Stuckey, and by and large, he brought in a a a pretty good group of wide receivers, including the three next year. Yeah, look at the, look at the teams in the playoffs right now. When when we hang up with this podcast, I wish I had all rosters in front of me and depth charts. But look at the teams in the playoffs and tell me how many of those teams are relying on a single freshman wide out, let alone two freshman wideouts, a lacrosse player turned freshman wideout, and a running back turned leading yardage receiver wideout. Notre Dame's got to get out of that. Question from T Longo 20. Given the proclivity for coaches to hire within their circle, can you share your perspective on why or why not this wide receiver coach was a good hire? Was there anyone else who was offered? I mean, look, if Luke Fickle wanted to hire you, that is a, almost a better endorsement than Marcus Freeman wanting to hire you. I think Luke Fickle has hired and fired a ton of coaches, including Marcus Freeman, uh, from a hiring point of view. So I I think Luke Fickle's a really good coach. Uh, I take you know his sort of endorsement on Mike Brown to really mean a lot. And look, Marcus Freeman has also worked with Mike Brown. So I don't I don't think that the sort of inner circle or familiarity is a negative here at all. Um, especially with a position coach, like if, if they were doing something offensively or defensively that was stale or just like 
busted and he went and hired somebody who did the same stale and busted stuff, then I would feel differently. But th- this is a position coach. It's a development position and a recruiting position, not a scheme position. So I, I think it's, you got to look at position coaches and coordinators. Just they're completely different. I, I agree. Was, just, go ahead, John. Go I was ahead, just John. going to add, I don't believe it was offered to anybody else um, for the, for the crowd talking about Jamarcus Shepard. I did research there. He was making between eight, 850,000 in a multi-year guaranteed contract that also had um, even as an assistant coach, a much more significant buyout than the 50,000 we already discussed on Brown. There's two things I want to say on this topic. And number one is Pete Sampson's point of the position coach. Look, we, we can make educated opinions on coaches, position coaches when we have watched them up close in practice and talk to other people about them. But to just say this guy's coming from this spot and this was a friend hire or a non-friend hire or anything, people have, you may be right and you may be wrong, but you have no idea why. Yeah, Does that fre- make sense? You have no well, idea yeah, I, if he'll be a good position coach or not. I'm frequently you- astonished by when a name is thrown out, the the magnitude of opinions about that, that assistant coach. I mean, it, you can't you can't just read a bio and say great hire lousy hire and we'll set it and not that we all know about coordinators but i get it more with fans and coordinators or analysts with coordinators like man i've watched him coordinate offenses or defenses for seven right. years no, in three no, places. I it, this is... I just don't how can we not be more open-minded about the unknown I, I just don't i don't know how we can definitively state great that's a that's a great coach or that's a lousy coach without knowing hardly anything about that coach and that's why i say if the only thing we know about mike brown is that in the last two years he's produced a second third and fourth round wide receiver that would seem to me to supersede any other peripheral stuff that we're evaluating that we don't really know about that's actually an unreasonable goal going forward a second third and fourth round wide receiver in two years (laughs) it is (laughs) it's an unreasonable goal i hope it happens but it's not that easy to do all right, I'm going to ask and answer a question here from Sully MD1 because uh, Samson alluded to it a little bit ago. Uh, any word on if Audric Estime is playing in the bowl? There is no reason to believe that he's playing in the bowl, let alone the Sun Bowl. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. How rude, TP. I yeah. said, hey, hey, the Sun. Point I'm a, taken. I'm the biggest defender of the Sun Bowl, the second oldest bowl in the game behind the Rose Bowl. All right, BK. That's what BK said the first time he accepted the bid. And then when he came back for the spring, he said, let's face it, we don't want to be playing in the Sun Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Tony the Tony the Tigers got beef. Tony the Tigers got beef with you when you get to El Paso later this month. We're getting hey, we're getting Tony the Tiger gear, man. I'm first in line. Pick is a sponsor too. We should be getting some sandwiches or something at lunchtime. We got granddaughters to pass that Tony the Tiger paraphernalia uh around. Uh, no estimate. We're not expecting Notre Dame's tackles, and we'll know about some other guys as well. Question from UND63. Does Freeman intend to hire a new strength and conditioning coach? Any insight? Timetable. When's it going to happen? It's got to happen by the 1st of January, realistically, because you have to have your off-season program set, and um, we know now Notre Dame will get a a few days off after the bowl and get to go home for a few days and return. I don't have it right in front of me when uh, the spring semester opens for Notre Dame, but I think it's probably around 
um, January yeah, last 8th week. Of January. Last week of January. It's that late. I thought it was much earlier. When school than... begins. Yeah. Uh, it's generally the last week of right, Tio. Isn't it last week of January? No, I think it's a little before it's... that. But I think maybe because of COVID, maybe third week. Twenty first was, was way off. They stopped. Yeah, third week probably. They started the like the seventeenth is usually something yeah. around that range. Um, it was pushed back. Twenty one. Um, it was very. COVID. It was yeah, like February fourth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was COVID. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We all we all anticipate them going outside the the current staff. Yes, it, I don't. I don't think that Hale. That? I mean, hey, I was told Hale would get a an interview for it, um, but that. I think that's going to be about it. But classes start on January 16th. Okay. Um, the yeah. So it says oh. the office of the registrar website. Um, I was so. off by a week. So yeah. yeah. So anyway, to my point, yeah. you've got to have it. You've got to have it solidified uh, a couple of weeks before then at the latest so that he can meet with uh, Marcus Freeman and they can chart the course of what they want to do for off-season conditioning which obviously will then be starting uh, soon after the onset of classes on January 16th. Yeah, nothing to add to it, except I actually wondered if they would want someone in place that they could at least tell the signees that are early enrollers coming in too because of charting that course and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, we we were referenced that on the podcast last week. I do think it has an impact on not just on signees, but it has an impact, again, on guys potentially making decisions. They want to know who they're going to be working with and have an idea of this person. Again, as we alluded to, we know based on combine numbers and, and other measurables, the guys who, who returned and, and continued to work under Matt Bayless always showed progress. Now, I think the difference here, like we were talking about wide receiver coach, how many guys, you know, did they contact offers? What have you? I think wide receiver coach is different than this. This we've seen in the past, multiple options uh, for a strength and conditioning coach. And I would, completely anticipate that this the efforts here would be absolute home run higher which they felt they got with Matt Bayless what do you guys think about that yeah it's, I mean it's the same as the coordinator point I made earlier this is a coordinator position um just hiring somebody that you've worked with before is not not sufficient um there's and there's no there's no transfer portal for bench presses like you're, there's no timeline with wide receivers you got to have a wide receivers coach now because the portal's open. So uh, yeah, it's uh, Althoff from the Carolina Panthers was the name that I had heard that they had contacted. Um, he was interested, but ultimately declined it. Um, so I, th- I think they're going to cast a wide net um, that goes up to the NFL level on this because they have with the one name that I've heard about. So we'll, we'll see where it goes, but it's, I think it will be a much broader um, sort of search than wide receiver was. And like, like, I realized the offensive coordinator search was a disaster last year. However, they did reach out to Colin Klein and Andrew Ludwig, who are outside of Marcus Freeman's coaching network. So he's he's shown a proclivity to do that in the past. Uh, I think that he will do that again with the strength coach. Pete, you're saying that this could actually be a nationwide search. Yes, yes. <laughs> like the uh, five years ago offensive coordinator search that went uh, inside the Goog and never found its way outside. That guy was terrible. Whatever happened to him? Yeah, I don't know. He's he, If he lands on his feet one day, he could come back. You never Jeez. know. Question from Indy Lawyer 1990. What is the likelihood that a receiver not currently on the roster will be the leader in receptions next year? I think it's very high because the other options for receptions leader, I don't mean very good player, 
are Jaden Thomas and Jaden Greathouse are the receptions leaders types because Mitchell Evans will not be healthy enough to lead them in receptions. Yeah, I think, look, look if, if Jaden Thomas had stayed healthy, I think he would have led the team in receptions this year. So yep. I would not, I would not count out either of the Jadens from being positioned to lead Notre Dame in receptions next year. I just think that um, for Notre Dame's offense to continue to forge ahead, your leading pass catching person can't have 27 receptions or whatever it was. Like I, I noticed the, the Mitchell kid um, that obviously Notre Dame is eyeing had more receptions by himself than Notre Dame's top two pass catchers did combined. So, uh, and then obviously more yardage to go along with that more touchdowns, et cetera, et cetera, or just as many touchdowns. So, yeah, there's uh a lot of help needed if you just look at Notre Dame statistics for receptions, yardage, and touchdowns, and what they've already lost from that. They've lost 43% of the touchdowns, 52% of the receptions, and 61% of their yardage. Um, you were used to doing that in the summer about lost production from the season before. Notre Dame has already lost this, and the season is still going on. Yeah, Tim, I, I wouldn't like I, I don't think I could say the chances are high that another receiver will lead because I I mean, uh, I don't think that, Mitchell would lead this team and uh, he may, he may. But I also think that that a healthy Thomas, like JB said, I also think a healthy Thomas and a, and a great house who, who we know is go, he's going to be a volume receiver. He he always has been and he will be when he's healthy full time. So, I mean, certainly it can happen. I, I Chris. Chris Mitchell could be that guy. I, I agree, but I, I, I mean, I don't. I, to me, it's a little bit more of a toss-up because of those other two guys. Well, it's definitely it could be one versus two, uh, depending on who else they get in the portal. Mitchell versus Thomas or Greathouse, which gives Thomas a Greathouse a better chance, of course. I actually, I, I would, I picked Thomas, and I was wrong in Monday musings to lead the team in receptions this year. Injury did it him in. I thought he would separate better in the three games. He was, he was only healthy three games. I don't think yeah. he separated as well as I thought he would when he was healthy. Uh, no, and I, I think, think Jaden Greathouse will. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I do. And I, we're not saying Notre Dame's Notre Dame has a good chance getting Chris Mitchell. I think he gets better separation than, yeah. than, uh, than Jaden Thomas as well. It, at least what we saw this year, but I think everything was, everything was tainted by his injury. He was hurt sure, early. Sure. And and I just don't think that we have any real actual gauge of. It's kind of like it's kind of like measuring Ryder Leonard based upon this season. I mean, I just don't think that that's. It's that's fair. a good. That's a good comparison. He had nothing. He was. He had no. He had nowhere to grow after the NC State game. Jaden Thomas. It was over for him. That was. And just super briefly, I would note that to the entry point. I think we all commented on it when when we watched as much practice as we did over the course of August. It was very clear that Sam Hartman and Jaden Thomas had a good rapport, that there was a good connection there. It was, we routinely saw Sam with the trust to throw those 50-50 balls downfield with Jaden Thomas, whether it was in one-on-one -on -one drills or whatever, there was an element of trust there that had been developed. And so I think part of answering this question will be who gets in the IAC and works to develop that rapport with Riley Leonard, uh, presuming Notre Dame lands with Riley Leonard. We're going to skip that next question, guys, because we already talked about that with the receivers. And we're going to end today with a question from Vamos Irish. Will any players or writers be going across the border to Juarez on their upcoming trip? I was there 13 years ago. 
Pete Sampson, you were there. I was there. Uh, not in Juarez. No. You, you were there. Huh? No, I was no, not no, in no. Juarez. Just we like, were, shoot this down right now. You <laughs> were, uh, where, uh, JB, where were you uh, for, for the bowl game season in 2010? Oh, gosh. I think I was in Nashville for the Music City Bowl. So uh, nothing exotic, but uh, a good time because I got to sneak in a uh, Nashville Predators game and a Zach Brown concert. So um, it was a festive week for me. Who Sounds would not better like than uh, celebrating Ooh. New Year's at an Applebee's in El Paso, which is what I did. Uh, hey, Pete Sampson, we went fancy to, like that, Pete. Yeah, fancy oh, yeah. like Applebee's. Nice. We went mm-hmm. to a two nights before Pete, one night before. Oh God, with, with Brian Hamilton. Oh, I kind of want to refine. I want to rediscover that bar that clearly was a different kind of establishment. It was a hundred percent a different kind of establishment where they mostly wear shoes at the end of the dance, uh, but not when we were there. We went to a giant oh. bar. With very few people in it, and we're looking around, we're like, "There's a lot of empty DJ booths up here." <laughs> <This> <laughs> trying yeah. to figure out what was going on. What's with the lighting? The lighting in, is uh, weird. El Paso. Yes. The then we walked out. Strange. Then we walked outside into a snowstorm, and yeah. uh, that was the rest of the right. Yeah, I have um, a recommendation. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not staying at the Hilton Garden Inn at the base of the mountain where the game will be played. But in 13 years ago, they had very good jalapeno soup. So if the same chef is there, look. She or he up. Yes, we will. We will have a. We'll have a good idea our distance from the border and stay, stay clear of that for sure. No doubt about it. Well, we're going to come back uh, because of the ent- the the transfer portal opening. We we th- we were going to schedule a little bit earlier, but most of that activity has taken place. So we're back on Thursday, uh, December seventh. We got a basketball game tomorrow night that I will probably be likely to. Uh, to talk about on the next podcast, but until then, I am what not a basketball game tomorrow night. <laughs> yes, there is. But... Don't want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, but don't talk about it on the podcast. Okay, we won't talk not about against it Marquette. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll 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 keep limiting my commentary here until uh, Thursday. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson, and John Bryce, and this has been Irish Illustrated Insider.